and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, where we like to kick back, pet dogs, and lecture you on the dangers of strangers. That's right, folks. Stranger danger. All of them strangers in danger all the time. Yeah, that's right. So it's not morning time. (laughs) No. It's almost 7 p.m. on a Wednesday. Yep. We ran into some life situations this weekend. Yeah. Where we typically record Saturday mornings and eat our breakfast and drink our coffee. But this morning, I mean, it's not morning. (laughs) (laughs) This evening. (laughs) This evening, we're eating Pop-Tarts. Yes. These Pop-Tarts, they're amazing. They're the brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts. They're the ride or die Pop-Tart. It is either brown sugar cinnamon for me or the chocolate chip. I never go for, like, the brown sugar cinnamon is my hands down number one fave. But if that one for some reason is not available, then I go for the cherry. I do enjoy, I like the blueberry ones. I I do like most of the fruit ones. Uh, the cherry is just my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. But you toast your Pop-Tarts. I do. fucking t- weird. <laughs> I, I will obviously eat a Pop-Tart untoasted because I, duh. But there is something about a warm, crunchy Pop-Tart pastry that just is unparalleled. I get that. Up there with Pop-Tarts. I love toaster strudels. Ooh, yeah, I love a toaster strudel. Fuck. Ugh, now I'm thinking about the toaster strudels in my freezer at home. They're Mm. so good. I like the raspberry because I like the center to be very tart. Yeah, and then they have like the cream cheese with the fruit flavor in Mm -hmm. the middle. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. So good. While we're here talking about breakfast food, Dakota had an amazing idea and I just can't even believe when he said it. It was so obvious, and I can't <laughs> believe it's not some it's something that doesn't exist. So I love breakfast pizza. It's oh, one of my favorite things to eat. My God. When I lived on the coast and there were no Casey's, the first food item I got when I got back to Missouri was a Casey's breakfast pizza. It's the weird cheese sauce. It is exactly the cheese sauce. There is no breakfast pizza that equals it. No. Absolutely not. I mean, Quick Trip's breakfast pizza is good, but The only time just... I've had their breakfast pizza is when you brought me Quick Trip breakfast pizza. Mm. It's good. It's good, but it is just not Casey's. That's true. He knows how much I love breakfast pizza. So first, he says, we should make our own breakfast pizza, which is, yes, clearly. Makes sense. We like to make homemade pizza. Mm -hmm. I like to make the dough because it just, it gets crunchy on the outside, but then it's really soft in the center. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, yeah, let's plan on making a breakfast pizza. And then he was like, why are there no breakfast pizza rolls? (gasps) I was like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. How has Totino's not ever Put out a breakfast pizza roll. I love pizza rolls. Yes. They're my go-to junk food snack. 
when we have mm. them. We don't always have them because I eat way too much of them. Yeah. But I would say the closest thing you're going to get to a breakfast pizza roll is a toaster scrambler. Have you had a toaster scrambler? I th- I believe so. Oh, they're delicious. Yeah. And Hot Pockets also has a breakfast option. Oh, I can't with the Hot Pockets. Dude, Hot Pockets take me back to being like 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Lauren, the, this is before Lauren and I moved out of our hometown and I moved here and then she moved closer to the city. Right. But when we both still lived in that tiny little town, we had nothing to do except just like get super fucking high (laughs) and go to the gas station. The gas station was called Seven Stop (laughs) and (laughs) get one pound ham and cheese Hot Pockets. (laughs) And they had a microwave in there. So we would microwave them and then sit in the parking lot and eat molten hot hot yes. pockets straight out of the bag when before the pool here changed mm-hmm. when me and cheyenne were i don't know eight nine ten years old i used to go to her house during the summer and my mom was a real estate agent here along with some other part-time jobs and she would pick us up and drop us off at the pool on her lunch break or one of her breaks and they had this little like snack shack building outside of the pool. And we would always get a Dr. Pepper and a pepperoni hot pocket. (laughs) But ever like eating them as an adult, it just doesn't taste as good. It definitely doesn't taste as good. Maybe it, for me, it could be the fact that we used to eat them when we were really high and everything tastes better when you're high. Like, It's so weird, especially if you're someone who's never been, like, into, like, smoking weed or anything. You have no idea how good food can taste (laughs) because it can taste so much better than what you know it as. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, to be a teenager again. That's, like, the main thing I miss about, like, smoking weed and, like, getting high is the eating part. I just miss a lot about being young and not having responsibilities really or yeah worries other than what flavor of hot pocket do you get at the gas station yeah i mean i still kind of live that life i mean i have a mortgage and everything but other than that i mean like... i am constantly worried about what food i'm going to eat <laughs> uh just more stress now than back in the day yeah and for those of you listening who are like what the fuck is Casey's? Is this a pizza place? Mm. I don't know. I think Casey's is just in the Midwest. Yes. It's definitely not on the East Coast. Yeah. It's not a pizza place. It's a gas station. Yes. Um, I never get gas at Casey's, by the way. I, I don't. Not a lot of people do. Yeah. Most people I know don't get gas at Casey's. They get pizza. Yeah. They get pizza. <laughs> And I love seeing things on Facebook, like the memes, and it's like, what the Midwest is like, and it's like three pictures of cornfields and then one picture of Casey's. Because <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It, yeah, it is true. We're not having coffee this morning. That's because it's this evening. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, 
my gosh. It's been a long week and it's a Wednesday. Oh, God. Um, We're both drinking water because we're straight up healthy. Yeah. I had to get some of Maddie's fancy uh, filtered fridge water (laughs) because there's something wrong with the water in this town, dude. I don't know. I mean, it just tastes a little plasticky. Keegan's like, maybe it's fluoride. I was like, bro, I don't think this is what fluoride tastes like. <laughs> yeah, that when I tasted it out of our faucet after you said that, it did, ours didn't taste yeah. funny because, of course, I immediately think like this is the water that we give to the dogs, right? And if there's something wrong with it, I don't want to give it to them. Obviously. Meanwhile, I'm at my house just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start giving my dogs filtered water. Oh yeah, shit. Oh, my goodness gracious. So, yeah, we don't have any coffee shout-outs to give, although I did get a new lock alum in the mail. Um, we'll have to drink that yeah. this weekend when we record. Yes. Um, we are still <laughs> waiting on that sponsorship to come through. <laughs> lock alum, where are you? Ridiculous. Outrageous. But okay. We, we love you. We're yes. not attacking you. I love you so much. Your coffee is fabulous. So, we're going to move on to our business portion. Um, First of all, we're recording this on December 9th, so that means tomorrow's the first day of Hanukkah. So, for everyone out there who celebrates Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah! Um, I... I don't know if I know anyone who celebrates Hanukkah, personally. I don't, I don't think I do either. There was an attorney. Um, he celebrated Hanukkah, and so I would make sure every year to, like, tell him happy yeah. Hanukkah. Because it says, obviously, it says it on any calendar you look at. Right, so, right. And I always try to, like, know when it is, just because I like to be able to yeah. say it, you know? Because everybody always knows when Christmas is, so it's, you know. Yeah. But... He's, I think, the only person I know who celebrates Hanukkah. Yeah. But happy Hanukkah. All There's a house down the street that is all their lights are blue. So I think they're celebrating Hanukkah. Oh, okay. Which is very cool. Which is also why I do not like to use blue lights on our house. I like to go with the straight up red and green house lights yeah because i feel like blue is for hanukkah anyway uh now we have to talk about mail we got our second email uh oh it's so exciting yes it is we love mail and this email is from our good friend whitney yay whitney and she sent us a beautiful little email and she talked about her doggies which i know whitney personally we work together so i know her dogs mostly from instagrams <laughs> one of her dogs actually kind of looks like april Aww. except no eye patch she's just like all Aww. an all white little little pity her name's mabel oh my gosh that is so adorable <laughs> i love a name like that their dogs have some kick-ass names <sighs> they have a french bulldog named hudson Oh, he's very cute because he's a French. I really want a French. They're cute. They're so cute. Um, Then they have another dog who's a little bit bigger and her name's Ramona. Oh, I have a friend her. I think her dog's name is Ramona. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's so creative. Yeah. So and then Mabel, 
Super cute. Mabel. She's... She, and every time I see a picture of her, I always think, oh my god, that dog is so cute. And then I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it looks just like mine. <laughs> April is fucking cute, though. <sighs> she is... I tell her every... She's probably got, like, the biggest ego on the planet because every single morning when she wakes up, I, like, hold her face and I go, oh, she's a pretty puppy. It's the ears for me. Oh, she's she's got good ears. Oh, the best ears. Little floppy ears with little dots, black mm. dots on them. Ugh. We also had some kick-ass people share our podcast on their social media. Aww. Um, one of my friends that I went to school with all my life, Kayla, shared a Facebook post. Thanks, Kayla. It was amazing. It made my day. It really did. I had just gotten out of the shower and I saw (laughs) it and I was like so excited. I just sat on the edge of my bed and my towel like texting you about it and I just couldn't move on with my life. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Yes, super cool. And also uh, my sister-in-law. I guess we'll call she's my brother's girlfriend, but they've been together for 49 years. Um, So (laughs) my sister-in-law, Rachel, she also shared our Spotify link on on the FB Facebook. So awesome. Amazing. This is how you grow, especially when you are us and you are regular ass Midwestern bitches. Yep. We're not in the industry at all. Well, and I was talking to Cheyenne about this. Cheyenne, and I think I've mentioned her before. Yeah. She's my best friend. We grew up together. Uh, she moved to LA after graduating high school. And her and her boyfriend, Ken, have a lot of industry knowledge because of their line of work. Mm-hmm. And she was like kind of hyping me and you up the other day. She... Oh. Didn't know that our podcast was on Apple yet because I hadn't told her, like, hey, it was verified. It's on there now, like, three days after episode one came out. Yeah. So she's been waiting all these weeks. Oh, no. And anyways, we were talking about it. And I was just thinking to myself, I've never thought that something as cool as this would happen to me. Yeah. And, like, I was a young mom, so I obviously you know, kind of tucked my personal life away. I got to work and I've been working ever since. And obviously I'm not complaining about that at all because I love my children and we have an amazing life. Mm -hmm. But I've never really known how to answer the question, you know, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Yeah. And it really wasn't until now that I've done something completely unrelated to my home life or work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, really cool to see other people sharing that because me and you put a lot of fucking time into this. And it's something you don't really think about when you just like are consuming podcasts. Like we both consume a lot of podcasts. Right. And, you know, some of them you can tell like a lot of work goes into it, but you don't really think about how much work until like you sit down to do the research and like map out how you're going to like put things together. Yeah. So especially like after episode one, when we really were like, this, we have to have structure. This needs a skeleton because we just 
we will just go off out over here and we just have no way to get back. Yeah. And see, because you and I talk about these things anyways. Yes. So without having this shit in front of us to look at and to go off of, that can happen. And you all heard that in episode one. Yeah. We're not sorry <laughs> but we're sorry you have to start somewhere and luckily we set the bar for ourselves i mean a little low and it was just up from there <laughs> it's been all up from there although i think that that episode is still like our most listened to it really is People are like god damn these people are fucking nuts <laughs> have you heard these two Oh, and we have a new segment, Mm. and I am so excited about this, and I know he (laughs) will be too, and it is going to be called Chip's Corner. Chip's Corner. Now, Chip has contributed to almost every episode thus far. I think so. So he deserved his own segment. He is just a solid guy. (laughs) He is. He always reaches out and has something to contribute for the next episode. It's it's just the best. And we are about to play a clip. We are. And this is referring to our episode four, Roanoke. That's right. If you haven't listened to it, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Listen to Chip and then go back and listen to that. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to listen to our podcast in order necessarily, but to get all the inside jokes, you do. Yeah, just listen to it in order. Don't be crazy. I just want you to go on this journey with us, especially Chip's journey. That's right. I mean, he's developed into a full-fledged member of this crew, (laughs) so... We're going to have to start, I don't know, fucking sending him coffee. Yeah, we're going to have... I'm going to have to call Lockalum and tell them to send their (laughs) coffee over there. (laughs) So, a big question on episode four the was, biggest. how many calories are in a finger? That's right, because if you're stranded out there and you don't have anything to eat, you can live without a finger. Yeah. And it- Multiple fingers. It- Almost all of them. Might sustain- You could live without all of your fingers. I would leave <laughs> both pointers and both thumbs. That's right. You can still get some shit done if you have those four. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So here's the clip. So interesting uh, things that I've been uh, figuring out. So in a 145-pound male, there's an average of 125,822 calories. Well, in one pound of human, (laughs) or just one pound, uh, is 453.592 grams. Well, one finger... Uh, equals 100 grams and there's uh, 145 pounds uh, is about 65,770.84 grams so you divide 125,000 calories by 65,000 some odd grams you get 1.91 calories per gram times 100 grams because that's how much a finger weighs that gives you 191 calories per finger on average with the weight to calorie ratio. So, yeah. (laughs) 
So if you had the burning question like we did about how much sustenance you would get from a finger. It's it's, 191 calories. It's 191 calories. Thanks to Chip. It could be a meal replacer. Because you can't just Google how many calories are in a finger. There's no direct answer. Right. The man put in work. He did the math. He did the math. We saw the math. He wrote it out for us in this in the clip that we played. It was actually a video, and he showed us the math. Uh, so he went there. It was amazing. It, yes, thank you very much for that, Chip. We'll be expecting um, some kind of feedback on this episode, so you can have your Chip's corner on episode whatever the fuck yeah. is next. Eight. Eight. Don't yeah. know what it's gonna be yet. Yeah, yes, we do. we do. Yeah, we yes, do. Yes, we do. It's cool, man. It's cool. But yeah, Chip, get us your segment for next week. (laughs) Stat. Tuesday evening, please. We would like it then. Yeah, please and thanks. (laughs) All righty. For today, our topic is Lisk. Now, if you don't know what Lisk is, that is the Long Island serial killer, or also known as the Gilgo Beach Killer, and possibly the Eastbound Strangler. That's just alleged. It, It could be, maybe not. Don't know, because we also don't know who Lisk is. We'll probably never know. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. It has been a long time. Yeah, potentially since the 90s even. Yeah. Like 96. Gosh. Potentially. I was only two years old. I was six. Five or six. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, Lisk is one of those guys that, you know, kind of, I'm trying to think of, other serial killers to compare him to golden state golden state obviously zodiac 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 unsolved happy face killer oh this is very like happy face killer we we've got to do an episode on happy face yeah that one is really crazy and interesting there is a very good podcast i think it's just called happy face killer or happy face Hmm. and it's so, so good. And it's the only podcast that I've ever, like, cried real tears before mm-hmm. because they follow, like, his daughter as an adult around. Mm-hmm. And she connects with one of his victim's sons. Yeah. And they, like, come to terms with what her father did to his mother. Yeah. And, you know, she's always blamed herself. It, Anyways, it's amazing. You guys should listen to it. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of a killer's offspring i think golden state killer's daughter has written a book oh really i think so do not quote me on that but i am pretty sure that i heard on my favorite murder that she had written a book huh so damn dude i know golden state killer was sentenced this year yeah crazy that is so crazy he's old as shit he's so fucking old and he like i was following it like the whole sentencing, it took like two weeks or something. Yeah. And all the victims gave their victim impact statements at his sentencing and all of that. And um, obviously not all of his victims, but, you know, yeah, a lot of them. Because he did, he was the easier rapist before yeah. Golden State Killer. So there are a lot of victims that he sexually assaulted but didn't kill. Yeah. So a lot of them testified and it just showed, like, it showed him sitting there and it was just like it was just horrifying he's just so like old and disgusting yeah 
Maybe he looks more disgusting to me because I know what he did. Yeah. That's probably it. But he just looks so repulsive to me. Yeah, and to look at, like, a young dude sitting in a court dealing with something like that compared to an old man because old men are precious. All old people are precious. Yeah. It just... Okay, moving Uh, on. Yeah, this is not about the Golden State Killer. Okay, so we're going to start this by talking about the victims. So... The known victims. the, The known victims... There are thought to be anywhere between 10 and 16 victims attributed to Lisk. But here we're going to talk about, I I have 11 on our list, I believe. Okay. Um, They say 10 because the first one is potentially not a Lisk, but we have to talk about her anyway. So we'll start with Shannon Gilbert. Um, Shannon was a sex worker and she was basically her own employer. So we typically you hear about sex workers and they, they work for like a pimp or whatever, but she was using Craigslist to get clients and she paid a driver to drive her to the client's house or to wherever they were meeting. Right. And wait outside for her and then she would just come out when she was done yeah so craigslist allowed a lot of sex workers to not have to stand outside on the street Mm -hmm. and to not have to rely on someone to get them clients like a pimp yeah so it seems like a better option yeah but we all know the internet so yes exactly and um so shannon Went to Ocean Parkway, Long Island. She was at Oak Beach to a client. She went inside. Her driver was sitting outside. Mm -hmm. And she, at one point, comes out, asks the driver to take them to the gas station. They were going to get cards. Mm -hmm. And then something happened, and she went with the client instead of having her driver take them. Yeah. And she told the driver he could leave and she would find her own way home which is wasn't the plan wasn't the plan and it's kind of unusual for the way that they typically did business yeah so he was kind of like suspect at that point right about what was happening so they go get the cards or whatever it is that they were going to get Mm -hmm. and then come back well something happens while she's at her client's house and she like, runs out of the house and is running down the street at freaking mid middle of the night. Yeah. So, like, 3 a.m., and she makes a 911 call. And it is taken by Suffolk County, and she, she keeps saying, they're going to kill me, they're going to kill me. Yeah. Or they're trying to kill me. And the 911 operator never gets her name, can't get her to tell her where she is. So she transfers the 911 call to the state police yeah then it the call just gets dropped and shannon ends up going missing yeah so that was may 1st 2010 officially because it was in the middle of the night yeah so may 1st 2010 shannon goes missing and her family, I think probably a few days later, noticed that she hasn't contacted them. She's not answering her phone. Her driver never heard from her after that. Yeah. So they file a missing person report with the state police. Mm-hmm. 
And they get the fucking runaround, and they, don't they? They get the runaround. She's a sex worker. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, they don't care that much. Yeah. And also, because of the way her 911 call happened, they weren't able to connect the 911 call to the missing person report for like four months. Yeah. So there wasn't any haste trying to find her. Mm-hmm. But it does bring attention to the area. As we get into the other victims, hers does look a little different in some aspects from other victims. But her disappearance made the authorities in the area of Ocean Parkway, Long Island, more aware of the area. Yeah. So her disappearance led them to discover all of the other victims. Mm -hmm. Shannon was actually not found until December of... 2011. Yeah. Because she was found one year to the day after Gilgo Beach 4. Yeah. So she was found way after all of the other victims are found. Right. And um, she was found in a marsh. And it was conjectured that she was drunk or high, ran through the marsh, tripped, fell, yeah. And drowned. It, but they did not find any trace of drugs in her system. Correct. They did the talk screen and she did not have drugs or alcohol in her system. Mm-hmm. And um, so they said that after that was ascertained, they said, because she did suffer from bipolar disorder. Yeah. So they said it was possible she had some sort of mental break and that caused her to fall in the marsh and drowned. Um, but fun fact when they did her autopsy, her hyoid bone was missing, which is for any person who follows true crime knows that the hyoid bone can point to strangulation as yeah. cause of death. So her family still advocates for her cause of death being homicide rather than accidental. Yeah. So. Then we have the Gilgo Beach Four, um, sometimes called GB4. Mm-hmm. These were four victims that were all found side by side, and each one of them was wrapped in burlap sacks. Yeah. Yeah. I just shook my head, obviously. You guys can't hear that. <laughs> but only one of them was over five foot tall. Yeah, I thought this was super interesting. Uh, All four victims were fairly petite. Yeah, so you can definitely tell from a lot of serial killers their victim profile. Yeah. And obviously the Gilgo Beach Four were similar. Yes. Melissa Bartholomew was the first victim discovered December 11th of 2010 but she was last seen the previous year in July, so July 2009. Mm-hmm. Megan Waterman was found shortly after Maureen, and she was last seen in 2010. Maureen Brainerd Barnes was found third, but she was the first to go missing, and she was last seen in July of 2007. So clearly there are more years with her than the others. And the fact that he was killing these people and then putting them in the same spot. That's so many years later. So many years later is yeah. just 
disgusting. And Amber Lynn Costello, she was actually the second victim found, but she was the last to go missing. And she was only last seen in September of 2010. So just a couple of months Mm -hmm. before the discovery. Yeah. So what's weird about these victims is that the year 2008, there was no one. Yeah. He took Maureen in 2007, no one in 2008, Melissa 2009, Megan and Amber 2010. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if there are any very petite women in somewhere, some other location in 2008. Yeah. That went missing. Four other women in 2008 somewhere. That was kind of what the killing season did. The first season of the show, the killing season, covers Lisk. Yeah. And that was kind of what they ended up doing after covering most of the Lisk information. They started looking at profile victim profiles and seeing clusters of, like, four. Yeah. And, like, they found several other ones, but the MO for most of them didn't seem like yeah. this. Like, it wasn't four that were wrapped in burlap that were all under five foot tall. Like, yeah. none of those things hit anywhere else, but... Yeah. I mean, maybe he was one of those who did four of different kinds of victims. Like, you never really know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a method... But then there's not at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So who, I mean, who knows? We, right. We don't, obviously. Because yeah. he's still out there lurking. Yeah, unapprehended. So after the GB4, um, the next victim found was Jessica Taylor. And her remains were found in March of 2011. This was just a few months after... The Gilgo Beach Four were found. Um, she had been missing since 2003. God. That's so long. And her remain the remains that were found near Gilgo Beach were partial remains. Yeah. And the rest of her remains had been found in July of 2003 in a wooded area near Manorville, New York. Which was 50 miles away from Gilgo. Right. 50 miles. Her remains were scattered. That is... 50 miles apart. That's wild to me. It just doesn't really make sense. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't say a ton about the investigation into Jessica Taylor's murder. Because obviously, there were remains found in 2003... Yeah. And nothing ever came from those remains, but they were able to identify those as Jessica Taylor. Yeah. Um, But in the reports, she was referred to as, quote, another known escort. So they they just labeled her immediately and kind of, like, on to the next. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Yeah. And, like, a lot of these articles that we looked at referred to them as escorts. Yeah. I just thought that was an odd term to use. Yeah. Like, I mean, you hear the word prostitute a -hmm. lot, which obviously we know the term that we're using now is sex worker. Mm -hmm. But seeing people refer to sex workers as prostitutes is very typical. Yeah. But escort isn't. Yeah. 
So I thought it was odd that all of the articles referred to them that way. As escorts. Yeah. yeah. So next is Valerie Mack. She was known as Jane Doe number six prior to May of 2020. Mm. Her remains were found less than a week after Jessica Taylor's in April of 2011. And like Jessica, this victim's remains were partial and linked back to remains found in Manorville in 2000. Um, she actually went missing from Philadelphia in 2000. In 2000. <laughs> and she didn't have any ties to Long Island, but her family had last seen her in the summer of 2000 in the Port Republic area of New Jersey. And I don't know how far away New Jersey is from Long Island, but I don't think that far. Yeah, not super far. Yeah, I mean, they're all, like, New York and New Jersey are, like, yeah, right there together, so. She was known as Jane Doe number 6 until authorities were able to identify her as Valerie Mack through genealogical testing. Yes, which... Is like such advanced technology, and um, I think probably we're gonna see a lot more yeah victims from the Doe Network identified absolutely using genealogy. See, some people are really iffy about doing those, you know, twenty three and Me ancestry things. Yeah, I did it. Uh, my mom got it for me for a birthday present one year, and it made me spit in a tube and yeah. send it in. I don't care if my DNA is put into a database somewhere. Yeah. Especially if it can help fucking solve a crime. Yeah. Like, like you didn't commit a crime. So. Right. And I guess the whole argument of that is, well, what if your brother gets arrested for something? Well, I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't be killing people. Yeah. Because the only cases they're going to be using genealogy for is rape and murder exactly and especially cold cases yeah like if uh i have a family member who raped and or murdered someone like i still want them to be caught yeah so i don't know i mean obviously that's everyone's decision when you before you do that there's a ton of you know statements that Mm -hmm. you're you know supposed to read through but and you have to opt in yeah you you do have to opt in for it to be put in there but I think it's fucking awesome, dude. I think it's awesome, too. And, you know, I haven't had my genealogy done. It's something that's, like, on the list that I need to do. But I just haven't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I would totally opt in and do that. And it would be awesome if it helps solve a case. Absolutely. Okay. So the next victim is John Doe, uh, an unidentified Asian male. And this is the only victim linked to Lisk that is a male. Yeah, that's um, weird. Yes. And obviously, since we don't know Lisk, we can't know what happened with Jane Do- with John Doe. Um, but it is reported that John Doe was dressed as a female. The conjecture is that Lisk picked john doe up thinking he was a female sex worker and then when it was discovered that he was not a female yeah lisk became enraged and like beat him and killed him yeah and then disposed of him you know in the area of ocean 
Parkway. Yeah. So, because when they found him, obviously his body was not in any way like the other victims, like disposal wise, it wasn't, he wasn't in burlap. He wasn't like Jessica or Valerie. He wasn't like dismembered or anything. It wasn't a planned thing. Yes. Yeah. So it is entirely possible that John Doe was female presenting and just confused Lisk and Lisk got mad. Yeah. So it makes sense. It makes sense. But that's really all the information we have on John Doe. He was a young Asian male. Yeah. Who was female presenting. Yeah. That's the theory that tries to account for the difference between the MO of John Doe and the GB4. Yeah. Um, And very close to John Doe was Baby Doe. So sad. An unidentified baby aged, speculated between ages one and three. That's a really big range for me. It, it is. Um, I think in like in some articles they refer to baby doe as being between one and three, and some say around age two. Yeah. And refer to baby doe as a toddler. So I'm guessing two or three. Yeah. Probably thought to be female, but this is also unknown. Yeah. And likely non-Caucasian. So however they would be able to distinguish that, I have no idea. Right. But that's what most of the articles say. Baby Doe was found April of 2011 on the same day as Valerie Mack. Very close to John Doe. Yeah. So we have a map that shows where all of these victims were found along Ocean Parkway that we will post. Yes, absolutely. On the socials. That's all the information we have about Baby Doe. There is Mom Doe, mm-hmm. who is the unidentified mother of Baby Doe. She was found in April of 2011, about a week after the remains of Baby Doe were found. She is often referred to as Peaches, and only partial remains of her were found And officials linked her to an unidentified torso found in a wooded area of Long Island's Rockville Center in 1997. A hiker actually found her body in a plastic bag inside a plastic container along with a maroon towel and a flower pillowcase. And she's referred to peaches because she had a tattoo of a peach on her left breast. So... There's so many cases where the, you know, the bodies are found fucking years later, Mm -hmm. but that's so long. That's really up there with a lot of cases. Yeah. It's a, it's a really long time and it's so odd. I don't know. This one is so weird for me because of the baby. Yeah. And like her torso was found near Rockville Center, which is significantly distant from Gilgo Beach. Yeah. And like what was his what was his thought on separating remains? One of the theories that we'll talk about later kind of covers that a little. Okay. Cause like you're not gonna hide behind that better. Clearly right. this person was murdered. Yes. Yes. So anyways, that's just what I think about a lot about this. Yeah. I I think what we're seeing here with this killer is a killer who wants remains to be found. Yeah. Yeah. So the last victim we have is 
Fire Island Jane Doe, along with the remains of Valerie Mack, there was also a skull of an unidentified woman, and her remains were linked through DNA to remains found in Davis Park on Fire Island in 1996. Once again, old as shit. Mm -hmm. So now we have four that were found on Gilgo Beach, all the same. Yeah. And then we also have four that were found in multiple locations. Yeah. So it is kind of grouping. Yes. And there's some kind of pattern. But there's really no pattern to, I don't want to say the second set, but the set of victims with baby doe, you know, mother mm-hmm. doe. Yeah. And John doe. I think the the pattern with the last victims, we so there's Jessica... Valerie Peaches, which is Mom Doe, mm-hmm. and then the Fire Island Jane Doe. All four of these women were found partial remains in different locations. Right. And obviously John Doe was an intended victim, and but then obviously the discover that he was actually a male and not a female. So, I mean, that we can do with whatever. We can write him off as not fitting Right. The victim profile. Baby Doe sounds like collateral damage, maybe. Yeah. Like, wasn't meant to be there. Wasn't meant to be there. Something of that nature. But, and then you also have Shannon Gilbert, who's an outlier. Not really sure where she fits into the story at all, other than that she prompted people to be looking in that area. Yeah. For her. Yeah. There are. Other victims, like possible victims that are listed, these are the ones that were found in that specific area. Yeah. There are like 10 more that are considered possible, but we will be here all night Yeah, (laughs) if we talk about all of this. It's easy to attribute outlying cases to somebody, to a killer like Lisk because he's unidentified. Exactly. So like, well, maybe this is Lisk too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now that we've gotten through the main victims, the investigation timeline is kind of convoluted, yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna power through it. Yep. And um it's it's yeah. So the investigation starts May first, two thousand ten, with the disappearance of Shannon Gilbert. So, Suffolk County Police began searching for Shannon after she went missing on May 1st, and she was last seen near Oak Beach. Now, as we said earlier, obviously, they didn't start looking too hard for her. Right. Since it took them four months to link her 911 call to her missing person report. God, dude. Uh, clearly, that first four months was just wasted. Yeah. Like, they they can't even really say that they were searching for her. Yeah. Because... Absolutely not. I mean, Jesus. Four, four months four is a months? long-ass time. Yeah. God. I mean, Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> and also an interesting tidbit about Shannon Gilbert is the audio from her 911 call has still never been released. Not even to her family. Yeah. So what is on her 911 call? Right. Is the question. Because, like, the Delphi murders 
we've heard some of yeah, some of the audio from her Snapchat. Yeah, it didn't take long to release that because they're like, you know what? We need to find this guy. We need to find this guy and maybe this will fucking help. Yeah. So what is on... Clearly, it's more than just her saying they're trying to kill me. Because yeah. if that was all it was, we would have... It would be released, like... Exactly. What else is on there? Exactly. We need to know. Stat. So that's also a huge sticking point with Shannon Gilbert's family. Her missing highway bone and the fact that they are not releasing the audio of her 911 call. Super suspect. Yeah. May 1st, 2010 is when that starts. Then we get all the way to December 2010. And a police officer discovers the first body, which is Melissa Bartholomew. Mm -hmm. So he was just out with his police dog for routine training exercises and found the skeletal remains of a woman in a nearly disintegrated burlap sack. So I don't know if he was had the dog out there just to run him around on the beach or if he was actually, like, searching the, cadaver, the area. Yeah. Isn't it weird how a lot of bodies and remains are found by people who are just stumbling upon them? Yeah. Hunters, normal fucking people going yeah. about their day. Like um, <clears throat> the remains of a huge case in our county, mushroom hunters yeah. stumbled upon her body. Yeah. So... It was that was a wild day to be working at a court in the county where they find the remains. It was wild. Yeah. And the judge that I worked for had that has that case. Still yeah. has not been tried. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, so they discover the remains of Melissa Bartholomew, December 2010, and this led to a more thorough search, obviously. And three more bodies were discovered in the same area, um, which would be the remaining of the GB4. Right. They were found on the north side of Ocean Parkway. And these are Melissa, Maureen, Megan, and Amber. A few months later, in late March and early April, four more bodies are discovered in another area off of Ocean Parkway. They're near the previous locations of Oak Beach and Gilgo Beach. So Oak Beach is where Shannon went missing. And Gilgo Beach, obviously, is GB4. Right. So after these four additional bodies are found, the search is expanded again to include all of the areas up to the county line between Suffolk County and Nassau County. So on April 6th, 2011... Detective Lieutenant Kevin Smith of the Nassau County Police Department said that his office will, quote, further explore and investigate any criminal activity which may be in close proximity to the recently discovered human remains found in Suffolk, unquote. Smith also said that the Nassau County Police would be coordinating with Suffolk County and the New York State Police on the investigation. So, five days later, the search for more bodies began in Nassau County. An additional set of partial human remains were found, as well as a separate skull. Hmm. 
bringing the potential total number of victims since December to 10. Yes. On April 22nd, two human teeth were found about a foot from the skull. On June 16th, 2011, Suffolk County police raised the reward from 5000 to 25000 for the info leading to an arrest in the Long Island murders, and the $25,000 reward was the largest offered in the county's history for information. That is, like, that's a lot. That's a big reward. I mean, I think I've seen, I've seen bigger. Definitely seen bigger, but that's, that is... That's a jump. That's a, yeah, from 5000 to 25000 is, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there are, like, they've now got, like, ten bodies, so... Oh, yeah. And yeah. one of them is a baby, so, Jesus. of course. On September 20th, police released composite sketches of two of the unidentified victims whose remains were found in March and in April, the Asian male and Jane Doe number six, as well as photos of jewelry found on the remains of the female toddler and her mother, who were found on April 4th and April 11th. Mm. The toddler's mother, this is Baby Doe. So Baby Doe's mother was reported as one of the sets of remains found in Nassau County on April 11th. And also on September 20th, police revealed that the second set of remains found in Nassau County on April 11th matched two legs found in 1996 in a garbage bag that had washed up on Fire Island. So that's clearly Fire Island Jane Doe. Yeah. And as of <clears throat> September 22nd, 2011, police had received over 1,200 tips through text messages, emails, and phone calls since the beginning of the investigation. That's a lot of tips. That is a lot of tips. On November 29th, 2011, police announced that they believed one person is responsible for all 10 murders. So this is the first mention of a serial killer in the area. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they thought that this person was definitely from Long Island. Right. The single killer theory was related to common characteristics among the condition and forensic evidence related to the bodies. Right. So. And because of the remoteness of the area. Right. So, like, you, when you think of a beach area, you think of just, like, the beach. Yeah. But when you see pictures, it looks borderline impossible. Oh, yeah. To find anything. Like, yeah. it's overgrown brambles mm -hmm. and... It's not a fucking sandy beach. It is not a sandy beach. This is a heavily vegetated area near the ocean, yeah. basically. Yeah. So that also goes into them thinking that it's one person. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be safe to assume that if all these bodies are found very close to each other, that it's probably the same fucking person <laughs> who murdered them. Yeah. That's the theory that the police are operating on. Now, of course, there's a theories portion for a reason. Yes. So we'll talk about that. And this is something that I mainly took from 
one of like a couple of the first episodes of the killing season. So we will talk about that once we're done with the timeline. So now we have gotten to December 13th, 2011. Police announced that the remains of Shannon Gilbert were found in a marsh about half a mile from where she had disappeared in Oak Beach. This is a year to the day after the remains of the GB4 were found. A week earlier, they had found some of her clothes and belongings in the same vicinity. As we said before, police believe she accidentally drowned after stumbling into the marsh. Um, Her mother and rest of her family disagree with this. I do too. Uh, I also disagree. I think that there's definitely foul play operating here. Yeah. Shannon Gilbert was last seen banging on a resident's door and screaming for help before running off into the night. So clearly something was going on. Yeah. And you can throw out mental illness if you want. But yeah, all of her actions that night make me believe that she was absolutely in danger somehow. Yeah. Because... I just, I can't see someone having, you know, a mental break um, and making a 911 phone call, trying to get a stranger to let them in their house and just fucking running for your life. A half, like a half a mile away is where her body or her remains were found. Mm -hmm. To me, there was someone literally chasing after her. Right. And right. Exactly. Another thing that some people have speculated is that she was suffering from hypothermia because she wasn't I don't think she was fully nude when they found her remains Mm -hmm. but she was also remains yeah so but I don't think she was clothed they found her clothes somewhere else and so one of the last stages of hypothermia you get hot ironically and you strip off your clothes but this is the first of May I know that Long Island is, like, north of where we are. Right. But still, even in the middle of the night in May, it can't be cold enough for hypothermia to set in. Yeah. Listening to her family talk about her, you know, she was super fucking smart. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that smart people can't have mental illness. Right. Or vice versa. But... Nothing about her character seemed out of whack, for me at least. And I think using her diagnosis as being bipolar is a cop-out. Absolutely. I mean, we all probably know someone who's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yeah. And they live normal lives. Like, they're not not just, like, randomly stripping off their clothes and running down the street at 3 a.m. Right. Even people who don't who choose not to take medication. Yeah. Like and deal with their disorder in other ways. Like <laughs> this is out of the ordinary regardless. Yeah. No matter what was going on with her, something should have happened sooner. Yeah. But here we are. I mean, this was 2010. She made this 911 call. What do you mean they can't get a location on her? Yeah. Come on. Whatever. It was a 23-minute call. Yeah. It's not like she called, said they're trying to kill me, and then the line went And then, yeah, and then hung up. There's 23 minutes of audio on that call 
some shit happened on there, and mm-hmm. they're just not telling anyone. Yeah. Agreed. So, suspect. Okie dokie. So, on December 10th of 2015, so we are jumping forward four years, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Tim Sini announced that the FBI had officially joined the investigation. Hooray. It's about fucking time. The day before, former police commissioner James Burke, who resigned in October, he had been indicted for alleged police brutality and other issues. He was said to have blocked FBI involvement in the Lisk case for years, clearly, and a spokesperson for the FBI confirmed their official involvement. The FBI had previously assisted in the search for victims but was never officially a part of the investigation. We'll be talking a bit more about uh, the former police commissioner, James Burke, because he wasn't just allegedly brutalizing. Yeah, yeah. There is some shit. There is some shit. So, yeah. So, (laughs) jumping ahead a couple of years, we're in September of 2017. Um, Suffolk County Prosecutor Robert Bianca Villa. I'm going to go, Yes. From the county DA's office, announced that John Bitrolf, a carpenter from Manorville, Long Island, who was convicted in May of 2017 and sentenced in September and the homicides of two prostitutes in 1993 and 1994, was a suspect in at least one of the Lisk murders. Bitrolf had been linked to the 1990 murders by DNA. So once again, DNA for the fucking win. Yeah. The police made no comment as the list homicide investigation um, was active. And in June 2019, a proposal was made to use genetic genealogy to identify the unidentified victims and possibly the killer. I mean... That should have been on the table from, like, the jump. Like, yeah. as soon as it became an option. Yeah. Because when did they get GSK? 2018? Yeah. I think With so. genealogy? So, when a killer has in excess of 10 victims, I think you should just assume that you're going to be using genealogy. Yeah. Let's make a list of all the unidentified killers who have victims from... The 90s, right. potentially. And let's uh, let's get them on genealogy. Yep. In January of 2020, so this year, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Geraldine Hart released images of a belt found at the crime scene with the letters H-M or W-H. So, whichever way you flip it. Right. And it was embossed into the belt. And it was found during the initial investigation near Ocean Parkway in Gilgo Beach. And police believe that the belt was handled by the perpetrator and did not belong to any of the victims. I'm assuming that they were able to tell if it was like your typical man's belt versus, I mean, not a lot of women wear belts, but yeah, back then I think belts were more, but you know, women's belts are much more like decorative. Yeah, decorative and thin than mm-hmm. a man's belt typically. Yeah. But the police revealed few details regarding that piece of evidence and they wouldn't comment in exactly where the belt was found. 
but it was also announced that new scientific evidence was being used in the investigation and that they had launched gilgonews.com, which was a website enabling the police to share their news and also receive tips regarding the investigation. Yeah. So So here we are, 2020. We finally have a platform to get this shit organized. And this investigation started in 2010. The interwebs was in full swing. We Absolutely. We could have done this shit. It had done been in full swing. Yeah. We were deep in the internet age. I think I got a Facebook in like 2009. But shit, we were like fucking coding our own MySpace layouts in 2006. We were doing MySpace. Well, I didn't ever really actually have a MySpace, but... Oh, I did. And My Chemical <laughs> Romance played in the background. <laughs> so. um, If I would have had a MySpace to play music in the background, let's see, what was I listening to heavily in 2000, between 2004 and 2006? The Used, maybe? Okay. Um... See, in 2006, I was only in the sixth grade. 2006? What grade? I was a, I was 16. Yeah. So I was. So I was a, I was a junior. I was 12. (laughs) It sounds so much weirder when you say it in the teenage years. (laughs) I was 12. Um, yeah. I was, at 16, I was a junior in high school. Um, my mom graduated when she was 16. Oh, she did? I graduated at 17. So smart, you guys. <laughs> uh, I used to get asked, like, senior year, a lot of, like, underclassmen would ask me to buy them cigarettes. And ne- none of them ever believed me when I was like, I'm not 18. <laughs> I couldn't even buy myself <laughs> cigarettes. I was... I don't... I never smoked, but if I wanted to, I couldn't. I was one of the youngest ones in our grade. It was me and a guy... I'm still friends with Matt. And I think his birthday... I think he has a May birthday, and I have an April birthday. Mm. Now, most of my friends have birthdays at, you know, the end of the year and the very beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So I was always the youngest. I was the youngest because I'm a July birthday. Yeah. So, like, I graduated at 17 in May, and I didn't turn 18 until July. See, I turned 18 the month before I graduated. Yeah, which I think is pretty – that happened, like – I graduated with my cousin Kendra. Yeah. And we were we were in the same class. And she's a May birthday. She turned 18 one week before we graduated. Yeah. So she and I were the two youngest in our class. Now see, my kids are gonna be well, Caden turned eight two months after starting second grade. Mm-hmm. So he'll be one of the older kids in his class. Yeah. Same with Jameson, because he's a late, you know, baby too. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it's so weird. I started kindergarten early was how I didn't like skip a grade or anything. Yeah. Because I was in um, preschool from age one because my mom worked at the church daycare where preschool was. Yeah. And so since she worked there, I got to go free Mm -hmm. and I was just there. So I had already completed like three years of preschool. Yeah. And my mom was like... My child will go absolutely insane if she has to do another year of preschool. <laughs> and I passed, like, all of the screening or whatever, so they just let me in. 
now that we've talked about how old and not old we are. Yeah. We're geez. not old. No. But we are old compared to what we were doing in 2004. Yeah. So, in 2006. Yeah. In 2004, I was, like, wearing a shit ton of black eyeliner and a black choker. Don't really know what I was doing then. I don't <laughs> have a memory of fourth grade. <laughs> In May of 2020, um, the identity of Jane Doe number six had been confirmed, but her name was not released to the public yet. On May 28th of 2020, she was identified as Valerie Mack, who also went by the same name of Melissa Taylor. Yeah. So that's the timeline. Mm -hmm. It's not like super crazy, but it's a long one. It's pretty long. Yeah. But it's not, it's not nearly as long as the Nexium text line, text line, <laughs> timeline. Dude. Um, so anyway, I guess we can get into theories now, and that kind of wraps her up, doesn't it? Um. Well, well, we have like suspects and persons of interest, well, and right? Stuff, but right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are two like main main theories now. For the first time ever in researching this episode, I did get on the Web Sleuths Network, mm-hmm. websleuths.com, and it's crazy. Like, I didn't create an account, so it I, it was really crazy, and mm-hmm. I, like, you need a lot of time yeah. to get through the Web Sleuth, but though they have, like, they follow cases, like, constantly. All the cases. Every case you've ever heard of on True Crime. Yeah. You can follow it on Web Sleuth. It's insanity. <laughs> I've never gotten on there myself. I, I was always very, like, hesitant because... I don't want to. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where I'm really glad that I get tired so early <laughs> because I was looking at it when I was writing the outline and... I was like, there's going to be some good shit in here. Because mm-hmm. I've found stuff that links to Web Sleuth in other articles. Right. So I've never had to actually get on. But I went on there and because they were talking about it in the killing season. And I was like, I have to get I have to get out of here because I'm going to the sun is going to rise and I'm still going to be here. That's what that's why it's so hard for me to start and I've started many journeys like that not on web sleuths. It's a whole nother situation. But I would have to just like take some time off of work. Yeah. It I can see how people get so deep with that particular website that they just can't do anything else. Like right. You could get so obsessed and like, if you have one case that's the most interesting to you, you could find it on there and just obsess about it. Maura Murray. <laughs> I'm, I like the story of Maura Murray, but I think maybe I listened to way too much of the Missing Maura Murray podcast and I got to where I was like, all right, for fuck's sake, I got, I have to get away from this. I can't. I just never stopped thinking about it. What happened to you, Maura Murray? Where are you? I feel like she might just be alive somewhere. Just fucking living it up, chilling. She's just chilling somewhere. Who knows? Who knows? It is very crazy that they never, like, found her or found any of her shit. I'm saying. Like. Who put the rag in the tailpipe? Oh, 
Okay, we have to stop. For fuck's sake with the <laughs> rag in the tailpipe. Okay. <laughs> so, theories. Um, I don't know why I said it like that, but I don't <laughs> like that to be said like that. Oh, it's such a... Who it's put the rag a, in the tailpipe? Yeah. You got that northern accent. <laughs> I don't even fucking know. <laughs> um, I am running on Pop-Tarts and half a Chipotle burrito that was consumed at noon. Hell yeah. I had some spaghetti mm. and meatballs. I fucking love meatballs. Me too. And Dakota got these from the deli. So they were like legit meatballs. Like not frozen meatballs. They were from the deli. Where? Hy-Vee, of course. Hy-Vee has deli meatballs? Yeah. Fuck. I need to... In their, like, charcuterie section. Like, the butcher section and the charcuterie section is all, like, together. I'm doing a we lot of hand motions. We you don't can't see any go of in there. Oh, yeah. I, I knew that. <laughs> we Hy-Vee... We're missing... Well... You we, are missing out. We uh, we have been doing Hy-Vee strictly for groceries, but we do pick up. Yeah. Because then Keegan will come home with, like, eight things of fucking Swiss rolls. And, like, Mm. the other night I wanted a snack from the DG, which is a weird place to want a snack from. But that's where he went. Because I think we need something else. Yeah. He came home with, like, three different bags of hot chips. He came home with fucking zebra cakes, fucking Swiss rolls, pink starburst. It was beautiful. I am the Keegan in this house. Like, yeah. if I go somewhere for snacks, I just end up buying, like, all the snacks. Okay. All right. So, back to the theories now. Um, After that tangent. So, the two theories. First, we've kind of already heard the police kind of have officially adopted theory one, which is the single killer theory. So, yes. because of the victims being... And basically, if you look at the map, you have, like, Ocean Parkway, and then on the north side, you just have, like, a row. Yeah. And it's just all of these victims. So I think that, in particular, is the driving force behind the single killer theory. Along with how remote the area is, it's very, very remote. Yes, it is. And so it would take a local... Knowing the area, for sure, hands down. Yeah. You have to know the area, especially, like, not just to get to the location, but to get there while also carrying a dead body with you. Like, these things didn't wash up. Yes. And he's not driving up anywhere either. Yeah. At some point, getting out of a vehicle... And carrying or dragging or whatever. Knowing exactly where he's going. Knowing exactly where he's going. So those two points are definitely why authorities are going with the single killer theory. Right. But there is a difference that we see in some of the victims. So other people have said that it's most likely two killers. The two killer theory is looking more at the MO and the victimology yeah. of the of the people that have been found and the way in which they were disposed. So you have GB4. They were in a clear cluster together. 
They were closer together than any of the other victims. Yeah. They were all four in burlap. All of them, with the exception of Megan Waterman, were under five foot tall. Mm-hmm. They were all sex workers who advertised their services on Craigslist. And they were posed and placed specifically. Yeah. And they were all equidistant from each other. Yeah. So that's GB4. And then you look at the other victims. So you have Jessica Taylor, Valerie Mack, Peaches, and the Fire Island Jane Doe. Mm -hmm. All four of them were dismembered. Mm -hmm. And parts of their bodies were found on Ocean Parkway. And the other parts of their bodies were long distances away from the area. So you have two in Manorville. Then you have the one in Fire Island. And then the one at Rockville Center. Yeah. So, and then you have unidentified Asian male, John Doe, and then you have baby Doe. Those two are kind of outliers. So probably, obviously the unidentified Asian male authorities have already said that because he was female presenting, it was probably a mistake. Lisk got pissed, killed him, didn't take the time to follow any MO. He just disposed of him. Whatever. Right. And Baby Doe was likely just happened to be there, an unplanned situation. Yeah. Collateral kind of damage. It's really hard for me to pick. Which one? Which one? Yeah. So those are the two prevailing theories. Now, the proponents of the two killer theory look at the hallmarks of both of these MOs. And label one as a trophy killer Mm -hmm. and one as a torso killer. So you have the GB4 victims would represent trophies. They are set up specifically all in one area equidistant from each other. And the killer set them there in a way that would allow him to return to the area and know his trophies were there. Yeah. And then you have the other Ocean Parkway victims were all partial remains. And the remains that were found in other areas, most of them were torsos. Peaches and Valerie Mack and Jessica Taylor were all torsos. Mm -hmm. So that would be the torso killer. A lot of the web sleuths and the one main web sleuth that was on the killing season, he... Don't remember his name, but if you watch the first several episodes, he he pops up and gives a lot of his theories. He's a German fellow. He says, hands down, it's it's two killers. He said, you definitely have a trophy killer. You definitely have a torso killer. And it's possible that it could all be one person, but I am inclined to believe two different killers. Yeah. Because while they, the area is remote, and you would have to be local and know the area. There are a lot of locals. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like only one person can be aware of a remote area. Yeah. You know, and this is like a densely populated part of the country. Long right. Island. A lot of people live there. This mm-hmm. is New York State. Very close to New York City. Mm-hmm. So the population is dense around, in close areas around Ocean Parkway. So I don't think it's out of the question that two people would pick the same area. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely 
go with the two killer theory because of, you know, the torsos and then the trophies. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I think, you know, maybe, and this is kind of going out on a limb, maybe people like switch things up Mm -hmm. to throw people off. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, it's entirely possible. There have been a lot of serial killers who do change their M.O., yeah. Ted Bundy was one of them. Ugh. He changed his MO multiple times. Um, like the way he would attract his victims and all of that. With he... his unibrow. Yeah. <laughs> I can't with a unibrow. Like, get tweezers. Seriously. So, you know, this argument is could definitely be a back and forth. Because Absolutely. the torso victims all went missing long before any of the GB4 went missing. Right. So he could have killed those victims, did the torso thing, and then picked up the GB4 and did those differently. Yeah. Uh, You know, he's unapprehended, so he's clearly smart in some way. Yeah. You know, he could have just been like, you know what, groups of four. That's true. So here, potentially, if we're going with just these 10 victims, we've got 10. So I I personally don't think Shannon Gilbert is a part of the rest of the Ocean Parkway victims. Yeah. I I just, I don't, it doesn't feel the same to me. So if you take your John Doe, Baby Doe outliers out of it, you have two sets of four. Yeah. So that's pretty significant as well. Right. Because that's a very specific number of victims for. I know. Because I don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like if you're going to do something in a group, you do it in fives. When I like group things together, like when I count, yeah. I do it in fives. Yeah. That so makes sense. that's where my brain goes. Four is just kind of like an odd number. Yeah. But. That's true. So that, those are just, you know, those are the theories. They're good ones. Yeah. They're not, like, fucking crazy-ass theories. Yeah, they're very plausible. I mean, it really is one or the other. Yes. I mean, unless there's ten different dudes who killed ten different people. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah. It has to be one or the other. It has to be one of those, and I'm very wishy-washy. Tomorrow I might think it's just one. Today I'm leaning towards two. Who knows? So... So there is a potential link between Lisk and the Eastbound Strangler. Mm. What a terrifying name. Yes. I don't like that at all. It makes me, I mean, I I guess all serial killers make me feel uncomfortable, but especially names like that. Yeah. So... The first Lisk victims went missing in 2007. Mm-hmm. And in 2006, there were four victims found. Kim Raffo, mm-hmm. Barbara Breeder, Molly Jean Diltz, and Tracy Ann Roberts. They were all women. They were all sex workers. All four of these women were found placed in a row facing east Mm -hmm. all four women were found clothed but with their socks and shoes removed so weird so weird um 
They were found in a water ditch behind the Golden Key Motel on the highway around Atlantic City, which is pretty similar to the Gilgo Beach 4. Yeah. Close to water. Close to water. They were in a row. They They were were matching, for lack of a better word. Yes. Yes. And were the socks and shoes found or just gone no um they were just gone what a weird yeah like you hear of people you know removing jewelry mm-hmm. or like socks and shoes yeah because they were fully clothed like none of them were nude yeah they just had no socks no shoes so so random to so me. so random yeah and atlantic city's not that far from long island yeah so There has been a tentative profile of Lisk put together. Yes. The police have referred to him as Joe C. Which is weird. Yeah. Like the name Joe and then the letter C, not Joe C. Right. Um, According to the New York Times, it is most likely a white male in his mid-20s to mid-40s who is very familiar with the South Shore of Long Island, obviously, Mm -hmm. and has access to burlap sacks. I mean, I don't know how hard it is to get your hands on some burlap sacks, but maybe he has a job where those are used. Yeah, I think the, the significance of the burlap sacks is because they have to be large enough to fit a human body. Right. You're not frequently stumbling upon extremely large burlap sacks. Right. So even like a potato sack is not really large enough. Absolutely not. You traditionally think like burlap potato sack. Yeah. But that's still like it. It's not even going to come up to my waist. No. Like so. your knees. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, He may have a detailed knowledge of law enforcement techniques mm. and perhaps ties to law enforcement which have thus far helped him avoid detection. Yes, we saw this in GSK. He had been a police officer prior in life. Yes. The burlap sack portion may not seem like a huge part of his profile, which I obviously think right off the bat. But like we said, you know, you have to find big enough sacks to put a body in. Yeah. And I personally have never seen a burlap sack Like, no bigger than a pillowcase. Right. Correct. Correct. Same. Okay. So, the suspects and persons of interest um, we're going to go through. And now all of these are alleged. None of these people have been charged with any sort of crime in relation to this particular case. So, first on the list is Joel Rifkin, who is... Actually, a serial killer. Uh, uh, He's a former resident of Long Island and could have been responsible for some of the older remains found in March and April of 11. Four of the victims' complete bodies were never found. And, but in an April 2011 prison interview with Newsday, Rifkin denied having anything to do with recently discovered remains. Um, so he is in jail. Yeah. Because he's a convicted serial killer. So 
he doesn't really have anything to lose by saying he did it. Yeah. And a lot of times when, when you get a serial killer on the hook and they're in jail and a lot of people are interviewing them, they're like, fuck yeah, I killed those people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's in prison forever. So. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of serial killers kind of have an element of trophy killer in them. Mm -hmm. Like they have an ownership of absolutely their victims. They so remember their names. They remember what them. they were wearing, yes. where it happened. Yes. Yeah. So most of them will claim their victims. Yeah. And some of them even claim victims that aren't theirs to like up their body count, which that is, just really pisses me off. It's so horrifying. I don't, it pisses me off because you're just fucking it up. Yeah. For you're, everything else. Yeah. You're wasting people's time. And it's just really, really silly. Yeah, so Joel Rifkin's on the list, but, pff, I mean, odds are it was not Joel Rifkin. Yeah. So, our next person of interest is former police commissioner James Burke. We did talk about him earlier. This is an awkward one. This is a weird one. So, in 2016, um, the attorney for Shannon Gilbert's family... Uh, said that there was a sex worker who had conducted business with the former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke and claimed he was connected to Lisk. Um, in 16, Burke was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison, along with three years of supervised release, a.k.a. probation, for beating up a man who stole a duffel bag filled with sex toys and pornography from his vehicle. So. Yikes. Um, there's, yeah, that's, so why are you carrying a duffel bag full of sex toys? Why do you need to carry that many with you? Like, I would have been less surprised if it was, like, vampire weapons. Yeah. And yeah, and why do you have to have the sex toys and the porn in your vehicle? What do you, what are you? You got doing? a portable DVD player in there? Yeah, like why are why are your sex things portable? <laughs> Don't you leave that shit at home? Why is it in your vehicle? <laughs> that portable, portable. That sounds so. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> but uh yeah, he pled guilty in 2016 to charges of civil rights violation and conspiracy to obstruct justice, which are weird charges for, you know, what actually happened. But it's also alleged that a sex worker claimed that she uh she identified herself as quote Leanne and she said that she attended a party in Oak Beach with Burke and saw him drag a woman of Asian descent by the hair to the ground. Then Leanne decided she wanted to hook up with him. She described he violently yanked her head during oral sex to the point where she started to tear up. Damn, dude. And he was unable to reach orgasm, so he just tossed three to $400 at her. I like how you put U.S. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh shit. <laughs> maybe he had some Canadian dollars on his person. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Shit. I don't know why I put that. I just did. You never know why these things happen. 
You know, nothing solid has ever been linked James Burke to the Lisk murders. I just don't feel like he's... I'm going to say no. I'm going to say... I'm also going to say no. I'm going to say no to contestant number one and contestant number two so far. Yeah. Neither one of them have the aplomb no. of Lisk. No. And the ability to pull this off. He couldn't even hide his freaking sex jungle items. So... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So So then we have John Bitrolf. <laughs> That's such a funny name. Is that how I said it earlier? I think so. Bitrolf. Bitrolf. I don't know. In September of 2017, the Suffolk County prosecutor Robert Bianca Villa said that Bitrolf, who was a resident He was convicted of murdering two prostitutes and suspected in the murder of a third. He thinks that he was a suspect in at least one of the Lisk murders. Bianca Villa stated that there were similarities between the Gilgo Beach crime scenes and Bitrolf's known murders. He was convicted for his murders in May of 17 and then sentenced in December. Bitrolf was arrested in 2014 by DNA. His two victims were... Rita Tangredi, Colleen McNamee. Um, their bodies were found in 93 and 94, and um, Bitrolf was then convicted in May of 17. And in September, he was sentenced to consecutive terms of 25 years for each of the murders. Well, that's not enough. Not enough at all. At um, least they're consecutive, though. Sometimes, that's true. Sometimes they'll do it concurrently, and I'm like, hmm. No, no. Yeah. Um, The Suffolk County police did not comment on the prosecutor's statement due to the active homicide investigation of the Lisk murders, and Bitrolf's attorney rejected the prosecutor's assertion. Bitrolf was a married dude. He was a carpenter. Um, He lived in Manorville, which was three miles from where the torsos of the Lisk victims, Jessica Taylor and Jane Doe number six, were found. Mm-hmm. Bianca Villa said that Bitrolf was a hunter who was said to enjoy the killing of animals. Red flag. Um, the grown daughter of his victim, Rita, was reported to be, quote, best friends with Melissa Bartholomew, who was one of the Gilgo Beach victims. So that's That's weird. pretty significant. Yeah. That's a very weird coincidence. It is. Um, Bartholomew's mom said that her daughter, Melissa, quote, had a lot of calls to Manorville from her phone before her death. Weird. What's also weird is that Amanda Bartholomew, who was Melissa Bartholomew's sister, received calls from the actual killer Mm -hmm. after Melissa's death. Would call Amanda and ask her if she was a whore like her sister, and um, multiple calls. That's so, so, so fucked up. I'm uh, on the fence about contestant number three. Yeah, yeah, that one. And who gives a fuck if he was a married carpenter? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because he can cut things up? That's true. You know? That's true. And these were victims who were dismembered. Chip would know about this. He is a carpenter, pretty much. Chip, let us know. 
Please get on this. Thank you. Okay. So, our next contestant is Joseph Brewer. He's an Oak Beach resident and one of the last known people to have seen Shannon Gilbert. Joseph Brewer was actually the client that Shannon Gilbert was going to see on the night of her disappearance. He hired her as a sex worker from Craigslist. Uh, Brewer said that shortly after she arrived at his residence, she began acting erratically and fled into the night. Shannon Gilbert was then reportedly seen running through Oak Beach, pounding on the doors of homes in Brewer's neighborhood. Around this time, she called 911 saying, quote, they're trying to kill me. However, police did not find any evidence of wrongdoing, and Brewer has since been cleared as a suspect. He was cleared quick. Quickly. Like, like quicker in, than yeah. they started looking for her as a missing person. Yeah. And before they found her remains, which is where you would find significant amounts of evidence. So... Now, we could potentially, since, you know, Shannon Gilbert may, may not have actually been a Lisk victim, maybe Joseph Brewer is our guy for Shannon Gilbert and one of these other people on this list is Lisk. I mean, these are, these are allegations and conjectures that we're going to make wildly. Okay. This one. This one is... Okay. Okay. So our next one is Dr. Peter Hackett. Yes. Two days after Shannon's disappearance, Dr. Peter Hackett, who was an Oak Beach resident and neighbor of Brewer, Mm -hmm. called Shannon's mom. Weird. She later recounted that he was taking care of Shannon And that he, quote, ran a home for wayward girls. Uh, (laughs) No, thank you. Don't like that. Three days later, he called her mom again, denying that he had ever had any contact with Shannon before. That? What? And denying that he had called her mom. Yeah. So. Heck, what's happening here? Investigators later confirmed through phone records that Hackett called Shannon's mom twice following Shannon's disappearance. Exactly as she said. I think about, every time I hear Lisk, I think about this dude. Oh, yes. Ugh. The marshy area where Shannon's remains were found were also noted as near Hackett's backyard. Yes. So, Shannon's family filed a wrongful death suit against Hackett in November of 2012, claiming that he took Shannon into his home that morning and administered drugs to her, facilitating her death. Mm. Later, police revealed that Hackett had a history of inserting himself into major events or exaggerating his role in them. Yeah. And police also noted that Hackett's wife and two children were home on the night of Gilbert's disappearance, and which to me doesn't mean shit. Yeah, the, it was like 3 a.m. They were probably asleep. Yeah. Police ruled out Hackett as a suspect in the deaths of Shannon and the other Lisk victims. 
Yeah, it's never, it's not like noted anywhere why they ruled him out. Especially for Shannon's death, because literally, like, the marsh where she's found, I think this is from the Crime Junkie episode, you can literally, like, stand on his back porch and see the area, the exact spot where her body was found. Yeah. Like, that is super suspect. The phone calls. The Okay, so the phone calls to her mom, denying the phone calls to her mom, saying he took her in that night. Then saying he never saw her that night. Yeah. And the fact that you could stand on his back porch and look at the spot where her body was discovered. Those are all the strikes. And can we talk about how killers are notorious for over inserting themselves into things? Yeah. What random person just does that? No, No one. I would never ever want to involve myself in a missing person's case or a murder. No. I Like, I'm afraid with how much hair that falls off my head every day that I'm going to be a suspect one day in a murder. Yeah. Because my fucking DNA is all over this county. Yeah. I'm, like, eternally terrified of being wrongfully convicted of something. Because it happens so often and some stories, like... As we all know, Adnan Syed, why the fuck is Adnan still in jail? Oh my God. That's a whole different thing. But I'm so terrified of that happening to me that I want to stay as far the fuck away from any of that shit as possible. I, I do not want any type of involvement whatsoever. None. No. Like, none. None at all. None. Nope. Nope. Yeah, absolutely not. So, Hackett, Red Flag City, they're just red flags every His last name is Hackett. Yeah, Hackett. He just has a creepy name, Dr. Peter Hackett. Dr. Hackett. Ugh, yeah. That sounds like a horror film, (laughs) like a slasher. (laughs) If your last name is Hackett, we don't mean normal people last name of Hackett. That's right. We mean people who repeatedly call the mother of a murder victim after she's disappeared. Yes, specifically. Specifically. Okay, so our last person of interest is James Bissett. So, two days after Shannon Gilbert's remains were found, James Bissett actually took his own life while at the Mattituck Park. I'm not sure where that is. Um, But he actually ran a tree nursery, which was the main supplier of burlap in the region. So trees come in and their roots Mm -hmm. are encased in burlap sacks. But how big are those burlap sacks? Don't know. I don't know how big of a root system comes with a tree. Yeah. So I don't know. But I think, honestly... The reason this guy's on the list is because he had access to an abundance of burlap. Yeah. But obviously it never says how large these burlap sacks are. Don't know. Whatever. Right. Um, so those are the, like, all the suspects slash persons of interest that are put forward on the interwebs. Um, who knows if any of these guys actually fucking did it. I don't know. Clearly yeah. no one has been linked. Yeah. 
So jury's still out, but if you have any tips or information, you can go to gilgonews.com and submit that tip. Yes, you can. Uh, please do that. You can definitely do it anonymously yeah. if you want. So uh, let's get this guy caught. And there are a few other cases where it's been thrown out there that maybe they are Lisk. Um, Daytona Beach ser- serial killer, which cut is covered on the killing season. Uh, there was four victims. Mm-hmm. All of them were shot at point blank range. Um, I believe all four of them were sex workers. But the fact that they were shot differs from oh yeah our traditional Lisk victims so i don't really know and the west mesa killer which also crime junkie covers the west mesa but there are eight there's like almost 20 west mesa victims yeah so that's that's a huge huge story and that's so far away that's That's new mexico far away that's so far so these are both a stretch for me honestly specifically new mexico yeah that's way far way far that you would have to have two different homes like that's not that's not a travel back and forth no kind of no, deal. no 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 so that is really it on lisk we don't have anyone caught so it's... yeah this is a long one just because there's so much and you know this isn't a couple of victims or a victim yeah, we talked about 11. Actually, we talked about 15 victims. Yeah. Including the um, four eastbound victims. Yeah. So it's kind of like a big network Yeah. to have to sift through. It was a difficult one to put together in a cohesive yeah. structure. Maddie sure. really wanted to get this put together in a way that made sense to listeners. Who didn't already know the yeah. story. Yeah. You know, you can't just run through and be like, oh, these are the victims that were found. This is where they were found. Like, that's it. Yeah. It's and like, definitely not one of those episodes. Yeah. And Crime Junkie does an episode on this killer and it's 30 minutes. So it's like just barely scratching the surface of this case. Mm-hmm. And it focus- they focus heavily on Shannon Gilbert, which makes sense. But also, I don't. I have, like, a gut feeling that Shannon isn't even really a Lisk victim. Yeah. Part of me just feels like someone else killed Shannon. Yeah. She was definitely murdered from she my was, standpoint. Yeah. Definitely murdered. I just think that her murder might be isolated. Yeah. Agreed. Looking at you, Hackett. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Um, mm-hmm. Sex workers are a big target for the monsters that are out there we've talked about bob berdella yeah we have lisk here Mm -hmm. and like those are just the two we have talked about so far oh yeah so many serial killers target sex workers yeah and there are so many sex workers that are missing just in the united states yeah and law enforcement has got to get over well, they're putting themselves in these situations. No, they fucking are not. They're not putting them in a situation where they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to have a murderer pick me up. Yeah. They're 
you run sex workers. You run just as big of a chance, I feel like, as getting in a taxi yes. or an Uber. You absolutely do run the exact same risk in both of those situations. You run the same risk when you go on your 7 p.m. jogs through your local, you know, trail. Yes, that's exactly right. So take a dog. Take a dog. Um, we've talked about the multiple cats theory. We yeah. Maddie doesn't think it'll work, but I think it would be fine. I yeah, I uh, you know I don't own a cat, so I don't have real experience in that arena. But yes, sex workers do come in contact with strangers at a higher frequency than normal people privately, too. privately, and yeah. So yes, of course, they have more opportunity to fall victim. But that doesn't mean that we don't investigate it with as much haste as we would someone else of another profession. Exactly. That is the same with really any group of people that isn't the majority. Yes, that's, you know, that's right. The amount of indigenous women, yes. and, well, women and men, Huge numbers of indigenous people. Like, disgusting numbers. Yeah. It's it's really horrific. And, you know, people of color and... Yeah. People in the LGBT community, largely, especially trans women. Yes. Trans women of color, hugely marginalized. Can we just stop using someone... Any physical descriptors of a person to mark how quickly we're going to look for them? Can we just, like, look for people who are missing? Yeah, just immediately. You mean you get a missing person report? Can we just look for these people? Would you find a person has been murdered? Can we just try to find who did it? Yeah, like, that's it. Why do we have to have qualifiers? Yeah, yeah. Let's just... In the order in which they are received, please. Right. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I will never get it. All right. Yeah. That's, I could, we could expound on that particular thing for yeah. hours. But anywho. Um, so, yeah, tips, information, you can go to the Gilgo News website. Yeah. Please, please do that. Sources, they're in the description of the episode as per usual. They're there for your reading pleasure. Yes. If this two-hour episode was not enough and you want to so know more. Sorry. But always, thank you to Ariel and Haley. Absolutely. They're amazing. They make us sound great. They make us look great. And, you know, thanks to Keegan. Yeah. He does our editing. And he does our editing. Amazing. And he said he got me and Maddie a Christmas gift. And I was, like, touched to my very core. Me fucking too. So. so he's a keeper. Yeah. Thank you, Keegan. You're our first employee. Um, Unpaid. Thank you for existing in our world. Yes. Thank you. So. Mm. And you guys, if you could please continue to subscribe and rate and review and share. We love it so much. We would really love to hear from some of our listeners outside of the States. 
That would um, be really fun. That would be so fun because we can track that shit on our platform that we use to produce, I guess. Yeah. Like our host site. Yeah. yeah. We got some fucking listeners in the UK. UK is our second most listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have listeners and I want to say like 12 to 14 different countries outside of, you know, North America. Which is really mind boggling that. That is so mind boggling. Other people want to listen to us like. Especially Russia. When I saw that, I was like, holy (laughs) fuck. (laughs) I had a huge Russian lit phase for a while. So I read so many Russian novels. You're. Your typical Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, Chekhov, Nikolai Gogol, Dead Souls. Ugh. I just, I just want to hear from you guys. Yes. Um, we love getting emails because I think the coolest thing about this is just knowing that there are other people out there who like talking about this shit, mm-hmm. who like listening to two people talk about this shit and other random shit. Like we fucking talked about food for thirty minutes today. And I hope you all loved it, because we fucking did. <laughs> Food is an integral part of our day-to-day. I mean, it literally is what makes us survive, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, thankful every day that I don't have to eat my own fingers. Dude, I mean, 191 calories is not going to cut it for that me. That is not enough. That's not enough. I mean, you can get a McDouble. For what, uh, six hundred calories? Yeah. <laughs> How long will it take to like cut your finger off anyway, dude? Like, I'm just looking at my freaking. Hands. I'm about to go get a McDouble after this. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! No pickle, no mustard. Thank you. That's right. Yes, you guys are the best, literally. So yes, and we can. You can be. You can be found. No, we can be found. It's it's fucking almost nine o'clock. I should have been in bed thirty minutes ago. <laughs> On the sh- the socials, Insta. <laughs> At what if I told you pod? Facebook. What if I told you podcast? Gmail. What if I told you podcast at gmail dot com, and. We're soliciting to employ people to come teach us how to train owls. So if you <laughs> But we are, can't pay you. Yeah, we can't pay you. This is a work for free situation. <laughs> we could give you some food though. Maddie has um, fancy fridge water. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you some fancy fridge water and maybe I'll like some lacolum coffee. We'll set you up with the food and beverage. We'll send of your you choice. home with the scoop of grounds. In a little plastic bag. <laughs> um but yeah teach us how to train some owls so that we can start we can take this shit all the way back to like the 17th century and use scrolls and quills and (laughs) it'll make my whole day so that's that's all that's it you guys reach out to us and we will love it fuck so much and please please it's the holiday season Whatever holiday you celebrate, if you don't celebrate any, please be kind to each other. And stay weird. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.